This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. I'm Ray Harkins, and you're listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. Thank you for downloading this thing and putting me in your ear holes. I really appreciate that. And uh, what we do here is we take people who are involved in independent music or have been impacted it, impacted it, impacted by it in a very deep and profound way. And then, uh, you know, I talk to them. I get to the bottom of it and have a nice conversation with these people because, uh, frankly, what I'm finding the most positive thing is about all of this, besides interacting with you amazing human beings that download this thing is the fact that uh, people who come on the show for one are looking forward to it and for two actually enjoy the experience because they are obviously not soundbited at all and they're not contextually chopped up or edited you know it's just it's letting this thing flow and breathe and sometimes it goes to really interesting places and sometimes the guests are really boring no i'm just kidding (laughs) that'd be so terrible such a terrible pitch yeah yeah no sometimes the sometimes these things are really boring you know But anyways, if you have downloaded this thing, you notice already that the guest is someone that is just, uh, I really can't believe that they are on this show because this is something I never even, you know, I've mentioned previously in other episodes that I have a list, an ongoing list of people I'd like to bring into the show and speak to. And uh, frankly, I never put him on this list. And this him I'm referring to is Mike Judge, the vocalist for Judge, and he's played in a, a lot of other bands, most notably Youth of Today. But um, I, I just never thought he'd be interested in something like this. And um, recently, an opportunity came up through a friend of mine who I'll get to in a minute, but uh, he asked me, hey, would you be interested in talking to Mike? And, you know, I've talked to a few other people that uh, he plays with currently, uh, most notably Sammy Siegler, who, uh, you know, played in a million bands. And you can pop back a couple months to uh, listen to his episode. But um, Mike, I guess, spoke to Sammy and was like, "Okay, yeah, this this dude's on the level and this uh, this show is a viable thing and it's uh, worth your time. And so Mike and I started emailing and uh, he was he was he was on board and I was like, Oh, oh my, holy shit. <laughs> I'm about to talk to Mike Judge. And um, he could not have been more cool, more pleasant. Um, I just was was so, I don't know, I, you just, you build these people up in your head and then you talk to them and you're just like, oh, you're real human beings, you know? <laughs> so anyways, more more Mike Judge in a moment. And uh, But I need to tell you about something absolutely incredible happening in Arizona on October 29th. You heard me a couple episodes back talk about this amazing festival called Within These Walls. So for those of you that aren't in the know and are paying attention to what is happening within uh, you know, the Arizona scene, because frankly, Arizona has had an amazing independent music scene for quite some time. Like all the shows I've played out there are really, really positive and good and fun. Um, but then they've been doing this fest for the past couple years essentially, you know, I always hate to kind of use this, this cliche term, but you know, for the kids, by the kids. So it's like, these are people who I've known for 10 plus years, um, in promoting shows out there. And they're just doing this not only out of the love for it, but to basically foster the sense of community within the Arizona and more particularly the Phoenix scene. And so you need to go to this festival. It's called within these walls. Like I said, it's on October 29th, uh, let me just make sure I'm getting that date correct because I could be completely butchering that. No, October 29th. We are. We're all good on that. But let's I'm just going to run down a simple list of some of the bands playing. So 
Judge is playing, and you will hear Mike Judge speak in a moment. American Nightmare, Antoine, Tony Molina, Repos, Nomads, Absolute Power, Destruction Unit, Seizures. Cameron, the vocalist of that band, was a you know previous guest of the show. Gate Creeper, Done Dying, A Feather and Bone. Like I, I could go on and on, but you could just just Google within these walls Arizona, and it will pop up either on Facebook or you can see the event page. But please. Please make an effort to go here. Um, if I didn't have a pre-existing family thing that I have to take care of, I would absolutely be there because I think that, um, yeah, what they're doing out there is really special. And I like to highlight and focus on this because um, I just think it's it. throwing a fest is a thankless job. Pulling together shows is a thankless job. And it's not like everybody's doing these things to like get credit, so to speak. But, you know, it's a hard, hard task to do what they do. And I just want to give eternal praise to those beautiful people um, because, uh, yeah, they're just doing a great thing. So go go to the fest. OK, just just do it, please. Um, so, yeah, like I said, Mike Judge just uh so warm and uh willing to discuss basically anything that i I brought up which um i just i don't know i after seeing his noisy documentary i was like okay this dude seems like in a great place and i love that fact and um yeah he just was very uh willing to open up to me and open up about his experiences and um yeah i'm just i feel grateful that uh he obviously wanted to do that and wanted to appear on the show so here we go. Enough of my rambling. And uh, here is my conversation with uh, Mike Judge. Holy shit. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm 36 years old. So, like, I entered... Uh, you know, I started going to shows when I was about maybe 15 or 16 years old. So obviously I was uh, too young to have witnessed, uh, you know, judge when you guys, because uh, you played Southern California once, correct? Um, I, I think it had to be more than that, right? Like, uh, um, I don't know. What, like San Diego, stuff like that? Yeah, San Diego. Like you, I, I think you guys played the Ice House in Fullerton at one point, possibly. Um but okay, you played a couple times out here, so yeah, especially in the old days, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a wee lad, so I wasn't able to uh, to witness the uh, the power of that. But by the time that I started to become aware of you know the entire Revelation catalog and obviously hardcore uh, in general, was the uh, you know you you were obviously this mythological figure where it was like oh here's Mike Judge who quote unquote escaped hardcore, you know, like all these stories <laughs> obviously perpetuated. Um, and so then, you know, I'm sure obviously once you started to um, kind of dip your toe back into, um, you know, obviously going to shows and being more active within the concept of uh, the scene, so to speak, was was it just a really bizarre experience for you realizing that, you know, people had obviously been speaking about you <laughs> unbeknownst to, to about, you know, unbeknownst well, to you? Yeah, I mean, I had uh, I had a good, uh, close group of friends who, who were younger who came up in town with me. And, uh, so they were, they would go to, you know, gigs all over the place and stuff. And they would come back and they'd be like, did you, did you ever hear that they think you did this or they think this happened to you? Or, and then there were stories of like, uh, the other guys in judge and, you know, when their other bands, they'd go on tour and they would hear all these stories. Everyone seemed to make up something that to, to give me a reason to not be around. You know, it was never like, you know, I walked off on my own. It was always like, uh, 
I was in jail for something or I killed somebody or I was in a fucking bike club and right. just the craziest, all of, all of the craziest rumors ever. Right. And, and that's what was so interesting to me, too, because usually, you know, obviously rumors are like a game of telephone and it, it can happen to anybody, you know, either, you know, positive or negatively. But I just found it so strange that it was like, obviously, you were this this focal point of it just because, you know, you had uh, whatever stepped away from the band at uh, a juncture in which most people were expecting you guys to, you know, oh, you can still continue and be, you know, a successful band, whatever that meant during that time. Um, so I just found I just found it so interesting that all that energy was focused towards you, where clearly you weren't. You're like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Like, please leave me alone. Yeah. Well, it's, I guess it's just it was like basically a sign of the times. That, you know, there's no internet or nothing, and uh, the last tour or the last pretty much the last gig when I walked away, I walked away because the the violence that was coming after me and everybody taking my words the wrong way it was overwhelming and I tried so hard to rearrange it and change it but people didn't want that they just wanted the uh, the hard violent thing and I was like I don't know how to live with this thing I created so I'm gonna I'm gonna go back home to Jersey and think for a while you know if it happened today, you know, with the internet, people could find out exactly what happened. Now, the, because it happened then, no one could just go, I guess he, you know, couldn't deal with it anymore. It always had to be something w- way out of control, you know? Right. Yeah, the, sto- the story had to loom much larger in order for people to yeah. like. And it was always that, I don't know why, but it was always that way. Just like from the beginning, it was like that for a judge. Because, uh, you know, I I pretty much, I got my start in like uh, Death Before a Sonic Super Touch. Right. And uh, joined Youth of Today. And that when I joined Youth of Today is when I finally got out of New York going on tour with them. So I met a lot of people across the country and stuff. And then, so I come home and leave Youth of Today and start Judge. And I, I thought it was just going to be like, you know, we were going to go and we were going to play and it's going to be like Youth of Today, you know, there's, but except I was going to be the singer. But for some reason, I guess the words I wrote or whatever, automatically, it, it, like even before we, even before the record came out there, it just seemed like people were lining up against us and lining up for us you know it was like people it was really weird Mm -hmm. and then when we finally did hit the road then then i could you know physically see the opposition you know it was like it was really weird it was a really weird deal and uh it's always been like that like from by the time we toured again there were all these rumors about me and i was like where the hell is this shit coming from right you know and i'd pull we go we pull into some little fucking town in the middle of the country and there's these stories about me like i mean you wouldn't even hear, read this stuff in a fucking comic book and uh these and these you know people think it's for real and i'm like it's insane right was it you know as that started to happen like did you initially kind of think it was funny because you know obviously anytime anybody confronts a rumor about themselves it's like wait what why do you think that that's ridiculous but uh did it eventually obviously i mean obviously it got you to a point of like i I don't want i just don't want anybody talking about me (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, at first, at first, I guess, uh, you know, you get that feeling like, yeah, it's kind of cool. But then when you pull in somewhere and like the, like the, some tough guy from whatever little town in middle of America goes, Oh, he don't look so tough. I'm going to take his head off. Then it starts to get old, you know, then you're just like, Oh man, I can't keep like living up to these people's like, uh, expectations, you know, I'm not, I mean, it is weird, man. It's just, I mean, I didn't, the problem was I just, in the beginning, I just did not realize how important words that I would write would ever be to anybody, you know? No, I, I grew up as somebody who didn't, it didn't seem like I mattered anywhere. All of a sudden, I'm in this band, I write these words, and these words matter, it took me by surprise because no one ever cared before. You know, it's like, right. like all of a sudden now, like everyone's listening to what I got to say now. Right. <laughs> You're like, I've been, now, I've, I've been around. I've been doing stuff. I've existed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, it's, it's a very interesting point. Cause I do think that there, um, you know, obviously anytime anybody gets up and sings for a band, uh, you make yourself vulnerable because of obviously, you know, like you said, you're, you're putting pen to paper and expressing your thoughts and you're opening yourself up to, you know, criticism, good or bad. Um, but you know, was it like when you obviously got up there and decided to, you know, sing for judge previously, obviously had not done that for any of the bands. Um, was that a huge kind of like learning curve for you? Cause from all that I can tell about you is that you're a relatively, you know, soft spoken and relatively shy guy. So like that stepping into a center stage, uh, was that, was that hard for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I did sing before, like when death before dishonor started, I was a singer for that band. And then, uh, you know, because of the situation in New York and trying to find a drummer and we had a really good friend in Mark Ryan and we wanted to get him in the band. So, we just said, uh, you know, I would learn to play drums and let Mark sing. And that's how Death Before Us Honor then turned into Super Touch. So for like, I did do like uh, maybe two, two, three shows where I sang for Death Before Us Honor at old clubs in New York, like A7 and stuff. Nothing like what happened with Judge. I mean, when I sang for Judge, it was very, uh, I don't know, like polarizing because of everything that was happening in New York at the time with Youth of Today and the great bands that were coming up around us and shit. And so there were just a lot of people ready to listen to what was going to come out from our crew of people. And, uh, judge just happened to be one of those bands. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, you've obviously since uh, judges kind of come back into focus in regards to you guys playing shows and stuff like that, you know, you've definitely not been shy about the sort of press you've done and especially obviously that that noisy documentary um you know i think that obviously took a lot of people by surprise just based on the fact that you know you were so willing to share so much about yourself um when like you said all of these you know rumors had perpetuated for years um you know so uh, did, did it take a uh, you know you to kind of like gear yourself up to putting yourself out there kind of all again and were you kind of worried that um you know, it, it was going to provoke a, a negative reaction um, similar to what, what it was back in the day? Or were you kind of just like, all right, well, I, I just really want to do this because it's a time and a place for me. The thing, I never even thought about it. You know, like when when the, the noisy thing first started, it was going to be about Judge and, and you know, like the reunion at the, at the B&B. And then... Um, somewhere along the line it turned into like being focused on me 
and truthfully the way Seth who's like the greatest guy ever did it it almost seemed like uh, we were just talking you know he was just like uh, he was like a new friend and he was like trying to figure out why I'm the way I am and he was asking questions and I was just answering you know I've always been willing to talk about the why um, uh, you know I am fucked up the way I am and the words that came out of me are or the way they are you know it's just like and, and then a lot of people say like judge judge gigs have always been violent because of the people who are attracted to you know I always figured I was like the, the most damaged one of them all you know I, like I'm not good enough to write anything I don't know about you know so all everything I've ever written has come from personal things and uh, feelings that I've had and uh, I guess there's a lot of people out there who have gone through similar things and they related to it and uh, kind of like we all flock together and uh, the noisy thing with Seth that's that's the kind of stuff he was asking and next thing I knew there was a whole like mini documentary about like right. my my dam my damaged head <laughs> you know it's like crazy right and did you, um, I mean, like looking back on that, like, were you, uh, I presume you were happy that it was so well received. And like you said, people kind of gravitated towards the fact that they identified with your story. Um, I presume that was gratifying in, in some weird way because you were obviously, you know, sharing all of this, uh, this brokenness within yourself and other people were like, Hey, I felt that too. Yeah. I mean, it felt good coming when, you know, getting it out and, um, you know, sitting back, you know, at home with my wife and stuff and we watched it and it was like, cool. But then, you know, there were times when they would want me to like, they'd play it to a group of people. And that's the kind of stuff that was hard as hell. You know, it's like standing, sitting there, like watching this thing with a room full of people that, you know, some, most of them I've never met and stuff. And I'm like, this is my, whole life you know I'm reliving these fucking awful moments and stuff and it with a crowd of people and it's just it was like a it, there were a few times where it was like a total mind fuck you know I'm like how the hell did I get myself here you know but right. all in all it was a positive experience you know? yeah that's really that's that's exciting um, you know kind of kind of backing up a little bit the uh, you, you know you've you've mentioned obviously in this uh, chat we've been having here where you know the brokenness and obviously your your family upbringing is very you know unstable and you're surrounded by you know drug use and a lot of other uh, illicit activities um did you feel like did you feel like you kind of had anybody in your corner as you were growing up or was it always one of those things you were trying to um basically find someone to attach yourself with whether it was a you know a friend you met at school or someone else like you know because obviously if you're not having stability in the home you start to look for other figures of authority whether it's teachers or anybody to be like hey i want you to tell me i'm okay or i'm doing something appropriately uh was there anybody that you kind of tried to you know glom onto uh i mean or or, or was it pretty solitary <laughs> basically basically the only sh- the only safe haven i found was new york city <laughs> i mean that was my no matter how bad things got, I just always thought, get through this and go to New York. 
people there know me, the people there are like me. There's a family there, and I, that's that's all I would focus on. Mm-hmm. There was nobody. There was nobody here when I went back. Back in the town I live in back then was it's really small, really redneck, and uh, it was like open season on guys like me in this town. So there was nowhere to go, and uh, you know my family was busy elsewhere. Right. So uh, there was nobody around. So I spent a lot of time hanging around by rivers and the woods and stuff, and uh, trying to get through the week so I could get to the city on the weekends and uh, hang out with this new family I found. Right. And how, and how did you get, I guess, so incorporated into the, the New York scene? Because obviously, you know, I mean, everybody at that time was obviously, well, you know, the, the freaks congregated, so to speak. Um, yeah. how, how did you get kind of interjected in there in the first place? Well, in, uh, in town, there were like, uh, there, there was like five, five, six other guys who were into punk rock who introduced me to, to the music. They actually had a band. They were called Sand in the Face. And, uh, they were the first guys who were like, took me in and were like, you know, don't worry about all, don't worry about everybody else, you know? And so I didn't even know what they were about. You know, it took a while of hanging out with them and, you know, learning with them and, uh, watching their band play. And then they were the, they were like seniors and stuff when I was like, uh, get becoming a freshman. And, uh, they actually took me into my first shows into New York, like nighttime gigs at, uh, urban Plaza. And, uh, once I finally seen that New York and that I was like, wow. And then when I found out about matinees on the weekend, that was it. And, uh, I just started going by myself when P- other, when those guys wouldn't want to go, I would just go by myself. Okay. Pardon the interruption, but this is extremely important. So, uh, you know, for most of you, you are moving into an apartment, uh, you know, a condo. Maybe for some of you are lucky enough to move into a house. There is a real struggle for making your place look awesome, you know, and we don't have the money to throw around at a interior designer because, you know, frankly, they're inconvenient and super expensive. So here, what what do you do? What do you do? How about me? I am going to provide you a solution. So there is an amazing app on the App Store called Havenly, which Havenly is able to help you. And you can do all of these amazing things with whatever the size and space of the place you're moving into. So You can keep your design dreams alive with this app. It's the easiest way to decorate your home. You can chat with a professional interior designer for free to get answers to your pressing design questions because, you know, you don't want your place to look terrible, right? So Havenly will help you look awesome, you know, because at the end of the day, we all like our stuff to look nice and obviously ultimately have our aesthetic and our vibe. That's the point of Havenly. They're able to get a vibe of what you're looking for. And after a four step, easy, easy design process, it will create the dream space that you personally love. It's so, so cool. So please download the app today at the app store, the Apple app store, and use the code words at checkout to get 20% off your design and furniture purchases. So like I said, it can work for any space, apartment or otherwise. They will make you look awesome, and then the people that you bring over, they'll be like, "Whoa! Like you, you this is this is great. I like. Where'd you get this piece of furniture? Where'd you get this?" And you'll be able to tell them, "Like, oh, no big deal. You know, I just went out and did my own thing." But in your back pocket, you're like, "Yo, I got Havenly. They got my back." So please. 
go to the App Store, download the app today, and use the code WORDS, W-O-R-D-S, at checkout to get 20% off your design and furniture purchases. Let's do it together. And like you mentioned, obviously, you found other people within your city that like that that style of music. Um, But, you know, obviously, there's the uh, notion that, um, and this is definitely not being like, you know, old man on the porch talking about how, you know, cool things were back then. But, like, it took a lot of work (laughs) to obviously get into this style of stuff, you know? You didn't have, obviously, the luxury of the internet or, uh, you know, a wide variety of people that were familiar with punk music. Um, So did did you kind of view yourself as you know like i want to work to get this because of you know how meaningful it is to me well i would have loved for it to be a little easier you know (laughs) i was like i was like i was like 14 years old i'd have to walk like mile and a half to a bus stop grab a bus into new york and then find my way downtown and if i if the show ran late i had to sleep in the port authority and uh you know if if i like if I had a someone looking after me, they would have been like, where the fuck were you all night? You know, and that, you know, cause all those many times I would miss that bus, catch the first bus would be like five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, take it back to town, walk that same mile and a half and go straight to school, you know? So I could, wouldn't get in trouble. So, uh, yeah, I would love for it to be a little easier, you know, but then, uh, I would have missed out on the whole like trip of getting to go to a record store and, picking up a record and looking at the cover and looking at the back cover and just digging on that kind of stuff. Cause you just don't see that anymore. You know, everything's like downloaded or whatnot. And so I would love for it to be a little easier, right? but, uh, <laughs> but I wouldn't, the- I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, uh, change anything really. Yeah. And, uh, once you started to go to obviously shows and start to be exposed to that, um, the uh was your notion immediately that you wanted to you know get up there and play in bands or was that something you kind of you know had to warm up to or kind of be thrown into truthfully the like the first handful of shows i went to were like these big big shows at these big places like irving plaza and stuff so they were like the misfits or something or kraut and stuff or and uh so they were big established bands you know and a lot of people so when I, I loved it, but um, I felt more a part of the crowd than the than the actual people who were playing. It wasn't until the first matinee where at CBGB's when I went there, and the first band I seen was uh, Agnostic Front with uh, John Watson singing and Ray B's on drums, like that version. And when I seen that band, I was that's when the fucking hit me. Like we can all start bands, you know, we can all say what we need to say you know and uh it just seemed the more the harder your life was or the more shit you went through the more you had to say and the pull to start a band and and get it off your chest was just like incredible i i started it wasn't it was like two weeks later that i tried to start my first band right that's awesome um and did you like were you were you obviously trying to you know quote unquote write songs on guitar what, what were you trying to uh, accomplish with that first musical endeavor that's fir- that, that first thing i was like talking to anybody who had any idea of like alternative music at the time right. and just because i had no clue i don't know i didn't know any instrument or anything i just 
knew that I had these weird stories in my head and it felt good to write about them and so I was like I can't play an instrument I guess I gotta sing for this but you know can you play drums can you play a guitar can you play this can you do that and uh that's how it went man nice um eventually we pieced it together right right <laughs> figured it out yeah I, I just like that I, I can totally picture you just kind of you know rallying around a bunch of people being like hey do you guys want to do this like you, you you've heard of something that isn't played the radio right like <laughs> you're interested yeah <laughs> yeah like it was really it, there was a lot of like uh what do you listen to uh, you listen to pretenders good enough right. <laughs> you know, and stuff like that <laughs> totally, you know? totally. As, as long as you're not listening to the stuff that uh you know our parents are listening to like we're good <laughs> yeah if you're listening to REO speedwagon just Get go away <laughs> but like uh if you're listening to like the specials that's cool right yeah yeah <laughs> you're onto something um was there a like obviously because of the uh you know the tumultuous uh time that you had you know when you were going to high school and stuff like that did you uh did you ever have any notion of you know what you kind of wanted to do with your life quote unquote you know as far as like whether it's like oh i want to grow up and get a job doing this thing or was it one of those things once music became your primary focus you just you just focused on that yeah once me once uh i would think like once uh i got in youth of today it's all i wanted to do is play in bands actually when i was in youth of today all i wanted to do is play in youth of today you know i never <laughs> saw myself at, i never saw myself out of that band until i was like i need to do my own thing right right um, and we're at, uh, speaking of school, like, did you care about it at all? Did you, uh, you know, uh, apply yourself? Were you, uh, did you find yourself having any, uh, interests in that at all? Not at all. Right. When I like they, uh, the way my school worked at the time was like, um, they just like, if, if you weren't like everybody else, they just picked you out and they put you in this, this class they called the transitional class. And, uh, you know, I was like this super, super shy kid, you know. I never wanted to, like, raise my hand or speak in front of anybody or anything like that. And uh, teachers would just take that as he doesn't care. And uh, it, it was I didn't, maybe not even half a year of my freshman year, I was pulled out of regular classes and put into this transitional class which was like in this far part of the school and your whole, your whole day was spent in this one classroom with a transitional teacher and you pretty much didn't learn anything. I learned how to play chess. That's what my, uh, that's what my big thing was. You know, the teacher was a chess player, a Vietnam vet who played chess through the war. And, uh, that's what he taught me. He told me to play chess. Nice. Did you, did you, uh, like it? Did you like playing it? I did like it. I did like it. I, I like the uh, I like the strategy aspect, and then the the crushing and the conquering aspect of it. <laughs> it is it is very gratifying when you get into chess because you do feel like uh, you know obviously it's a game that's existed for you know hundreds of years, and you feel like you're tapping into you know history while also like creating your own campaign. It's such a it's a weird vibe that is really yeah. indescribable. And there's, there's a there's like a great sense of pleasure exploiting someone's mistake right <laughs> and, and letting them watch it play out in front of their eyes totally the moment the moment they remove their hand from the rook then you're like oh you're getting demolished horrible move 
Jones. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, you know, so kind of focusing in on the, uh, like we were talking about earlier, you know, you've never been a, a tough guy. Um, e- even though obviously physically one would look at you and be like, oh yeah, like, you know, Mike's gotten in a lot of fights, you know, Mike, <laughs> Mike has beat up a lot of people just cause you obviously have a, you know, you're a tall dude and you're a big guy. Um, when did you first start to notice that obviously people kind of projected that image on you? Um, was that during judge or was that kind of, you know, prior to that when you were playing in youth of today? It was, it was before, uh, you say, you know, I was, I was, a, I was always a big kid, but I was afraid of my own shadow. You know, I was, I was always like, you know, my brother was, uh, like 10 years older than me. So I was, always he was always just, kicking the shit out of me you know so i i never knew what it was like to actually stand up for myself and uh, i brought that with me into school and you know when you don't know how to stand up for yourself in those in at least in my situation um there are plenty of people willing to take advantage of that you know and so i i uh the like uh, that Neil Young song, you know, the punches came fast and hard, lying on my back in the schoolyard. That was me plenty of times, you know? Mm-hmm. And then um, I never, I just didn't know how to stand up for myself. It wasn't until uh, a night in CBGs where I got beat up really bad by this really big dude and uh, way older than me, way bigger than me, just like a full-on man. And he just kicked the shit out of me. And uh, I was... Um, I was drinking and stuff, so even if I wanted to, I couldn't. Um, I couldn't protect myself, and uh, you know, the next morning when I trying, I'm waiting for the bus to go home, and I had a long night to think about everything, and that's when I decided that you know I can't come into this place and you know drink and stuff and 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 not be able to think and keep my head on a swivel, or else it's going to happen again. And so at that point, I decided that I wasn't going to drink or do with what these other people were doing. And then on the bus ride home, I was thinking about it and I was like thinking about my town and like, you know, I got to walk down that street again and, you know, who's going to stop, who's going to say something. But then I was thinking, I was like, none of those guys are like the guy who kicked the shit out of me last night, you know, like these, that guy makes all these guys look like midgets. Mm-hmm. And um, I walked, you know, tall and proud on the way home, and never, never once let anyone push me around again. And uh, for better or worse, right? <laughs> you know? Right, right. Well, I mean, that uh, I do like that. That, like you said, that you were very introspective about it. You know, because there's, I think, there's obviously a distinct difference between you know, obviously looking for a fight and then understanding what you can do to obviously protect yourself. Um, you know, the, obviously the line gets kind of blurry, especially when you're younger, because there comes that time where you're like, wait, but did, was I protecting myself or was I just kind of contributing to this violence that was around me? You know, like it starts to get blurry. Um, you know, did, did you obviously kind of go through those struggles as far as like, all right, here's where, I can defend myself and here's where I can't or was that a lot of it was just kind of reactionary to the situation oh I mean I'm not I'm not gonna lie I've made mistakes you know I've I've read situations wrong and um you know like I 
I came up in hostile environments, you know, so I may have read things wrong at certain times and did stupid shit, but for the most part, I would, I was always just waiting to react to what someone was bringing upon me. You know, I never wanted to be like the people who who targeted me as I was growing up. You know, I never wanted anyone to be able to say like this guy did this and make I I just I hate it. So, I would like to think I just everything was just a reaction to what someone was bringing to me. I may have made mistakes, but I've done my best. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, that's that's all anybody can do. And like I said, I think a lot of it you can attribute to, um, you know, youthful ignorance where you handle one situation one way and then you're like, oh, OK, maybe I shouldn't do that again. <laughs> but yeah. you only know that after you've obviously made the mistake. Yeah. And then there were plenty of times where I was just like, you know, I'd read something or someone would say something and and uh, about something I did you know, somewhere at a, on tour or something. And I would just be like, I, I never did that at all. <laughs> I mean, that's not even close to the way it happened or, you know, so there's always those things that, that fueled rumors of like what I've done and what I haven't done. Right. Um, and so then as you, uh, you know, so as, as you obviously started to, you know, kind of tour and, and, and be more active within uh, youth of today and then obviously later judge, um, is it, did you like immediately kind of move to New York and try to extract yourself from uh, your uh, where you were living in New Jersey, or in between those tours, would you always kind of come back and you know live with uh, whatever family was around? Well, I the, during Youth of Today, we had this idea that we'd all move in together in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and uh, I couldn't, I could just could not deal with it. I just could not deal with city, the city, you know, like being away from the woods and stuff where I grew up and spent so much solitary time, right. And I just needed that. And then, uh, you know, with Judge, you know, I was older and um, there was no support network. So, you know, I had to work. And uh, so I was always coming home for that. And then eventually, you know, my father wound up getting sick and uh, there was nobody really to um, be there for him. So I rearranged my life to... uh, you know, be with him mm-hmm. and help him out while he was being, while he was sick. Right. What was he? What was he sick with? Uh, started with like Parkinson's and then Alzheimer's and then lung cancer and mm-hmm. it was just a mess for a handful of years. To the end, it was like a it was a mess. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, that's when you're dealing with those heavy diseases. Like those are um, it, w- just one of them by itself is traumatizing. Um, it, would you say like? Obviously, as uh, you know, his health degenerated, but you stepped up, obviously, as a son to kind of, you know, help him through this. Um, Was there any sort of, you know, reconciliation between you and him or were you just doing that surely out of kind of, you know, familial like, well, I need to do this for my dad? Yeah, I was I did it because, uh, you know, blood is blood and I just it was inside of me. It was an obligation. There was no like reconciliation there was like this moment right at the end where he was like uh you know said something like being proud of me for everything and wow. but it was it was way at the end so there was no like ch- 
chance of talking about it or anything so right yeah well i mean yeah obviously it's like the uh in the darkest of moments is when people you know sometimes feel yeah. yeah that they're able to express what they truly feel even though they've masked it for years and years and years because i presume probably up into that point you know th- those words probably weren't spilled out of his mouth ever not really no yeah, yeah. it's like uh, you know i'm sure that your your family was looking at you getting into this weird subculture um and were they at, at certain points where they just kind of like well mike's gonna do what he's gonna do like we obviously can't stop him um, or did they try to kind of get in your way at all in regards to the stuff that you were getting into? It's hard to fucking even say that they noticed. Right. <laughs> it was just, it was, sure, sure. It was just one of those things. Like I, like I said, I'd be like 14. I would leave for New York Friday after school and come back Sunday night to make it to school. And uh, most of the time they didn't even ask. It was almost like they didn't know I was gone. So that's what made it so easy. Right. So yeah, you you were just basically uh, kind of existing in your own world, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like an extreme example of a latchkey kid, right? Where I didn't where I didn't even have to go home, <laughs> right? <laughs> but there were a lot of us in New York at the time, so it wasn't it wasn't New York in the eighties was filled with kids like me, right? You know, dead dead end kids to the end. Sure. <laughs> um, and what were you like? You mentioned obviously you came home to you know kind of. Fill, fill in with uh, work and stuff like that. What sort of jobs were you doing? Were you working, you know, just kind of manual labor stuff, construction, or were yeah, you working? manual? It's just labor stuff, like you know, hay. Like we would bale hay and stuff like that. And eventually, when I could drive, I would drive trucks and just anything, anything to anything to put food on the table and keep a place to live. Right. Um. And then, you know, you've, you've obviously mentioned in uh, earlier in our, our discussion in regards to, you know, the idea of you stepping away from alcohol and, you know, basically, you know, obviously claiming straight edge <laughs> for whatever that meant. Um, the uh, that was obviously a reaction of one of two things. One, obviously, being the fact that, you know, you didn't want to put yourself in a situation where you couldn't react to something coming at you. And then also you obviously come from a family that, you know, did suffer from, you know, drug abuse and alcohol abuse. Um would you kind of would you put your reactions to to both of those kind of the same or was one kind of you know more important uh than the other as you were making that decision i think at the at the time it was purely because i never wanted anyone to be able to handle me the way that guy handled me at cb's that night and I just swore to myself that no one was ever going to have that easy of a time with me. It wasn't until I was older, like probably Youth of Today Judge days, where I started thinking, you know, I'm not going to be like the people in my family. I'm not. It was, yeah, I guess um, it wasn't until people started dying around me, you know, like. For my er- like earliest memories, I've been around like junkies and whatnot. So it, nothing, that that shit never surprised me. I, I was never faced by it. It was nothing to be sitting in a movie theater watching my cousin, you know, tie off and stuff. I was doing that when I was like ten, eleven years old. It was second nature. I didn't think it was wrong. It wasn't until they started dying and I was like, you know, in my 20s and they were just dropping off that I was like starting to be like, you know, 
this is something I have to dedicate myself to because I don't know if this runs in my blood, you know? I don't, I don't know if this is a demon that's inside my family and I have to fight it at all costs, you know? And uh, that's when I, I guess, became uh, militant about it. Right. For better or worse again. My whole life is uh, it was a big for better or worse, I, all my decisions. But, you know, like... I just react to the situations I'm in. And uh, once my family started dying, I was like, I'm not going to be like them. I'm not going out sick and on my back. I'm not, I'm, you know, if anything, I'm walking off to the, in the woods like a fucking lion and just going to lay down and die. But I'm not going out slow and sick on the table. <laughs> you know, it's not, it ain't me. Here, I'm here to talk to you about something incredibly important. And that important thing is underwear. So... That, that, that thing that you're wearing currently and what you have in your drawers, it's probably terrible underwear. Like most people don't think about it that much. They're just like, whatever, I'm going to go buy a 10 pack at some local store or whatever. No, stop the madness. Throw out all your underwear immediately and sign up for Me Undies. So, Me Undies, why is it cool? Because it focuses solely on producing the most comfortable underwear you've ever experienced. And seriously, for the price of like two, you know, lattes at your local coffee shop, you can deliver, or me undies will deliver you a favorite new pair of underwear right to your doorstep. And seriously, at that point, you'll put them on, just be like, yo, my day just got that much better. So seriously, try them on. And if you don't like them at all, and they're not the best feeling things that you've ever worn, they'll refund you and let you keep your first pair for free. So included in the price is the sweet touch of Modal, which is the fabric that they use to make their underwear. And it is unbelievable. It's three times softer than cost cotton. I was about to say Costin, Cotton. <laughs> and these uber, uber cozy undies are sold exclusively on the MeUndies website, where you can enjoy free shipping, free shipping in the United States and Canada. So seriously, drop what you're doing right now, throw away your underwear, your old ratty pairs, and go to MeUndies.com slash words. And because you know me and you listen to this show, you get 20% off your first order. Seriously, go to MeUndies.com slash words right now, for 20% off on your first order. Seriously, there's there's no risk whatsoever. Just do it, you know? Try them on. If you don't like them, you get to keep that first pair for free, like you said. So please, just sign up. MeUndies.com slash words. Now, here, on with the show. And then, uh, you know, obviously, as uh, you transition from Youth of Today to Judge, um, the like you said, you know, almost from uh, the get go, there was a lot of attention that was, was paid to, you know, you and the band. Um, you know, at that time, obviously most bands weren't entertaining the notion of doing this as like a job or a full-time career, you know, like this, that, that didn't, uh, those two things didn't really make a lot of sense even at that time. Um, because obviously there were so few bands that were doing it on that level. It's like, you know, one could argue like, obviously like sick of it all, you know, biohazard, like bands of that genre. Um, but, you know, did, did you feel like, when did you notice that, I guess, Judge had uh, a lot of momentum or trajectory that a lot of people were paying attention to what you were doing? I mean, I don't, I don't know if I ever thought about it. I knew, I just knew we were good. I knew, like, the words were honest and the music was tough. And uh, people were relating to what, what I was saying. And... Uh, more and more there were more of them I never sat back and said hey man we can do this forever you know because at that time 
there was plenty of opposition you know it was like making you know it's, it was easy to see the end and then uh you know that last tour it was just so rough and then you know the florida thing in tampa with the you know the amount of like uh white power guys who were lined up against us i was like i don't even know how to fight this boys you know like, this isn't normal anymore it's just way out of hand you know so it was easy it was easy to see how there was never going to be a career of this right this band was, this band was meant to be loud and fast and blow up ugly right it just just seems that's the way it was destined right right um and then the, uh, you know, I, did you, I guess, removing obviously a lot of the, you know, the, the, the violence and negativity that you were, uh, was kind of surrounding judge. Um, did you enjoy touring? Like obviously once you started to kind of get out there, um, did you enjoy that, you know, kind of nomadic lifestyle and traveling to different places? I did. I love the, uh, I love the, um, I love the camaraderie, the uh, the feeling of like uh, this handful of guys in a van, and you know, like modern day pirates, so to speak. You know, just going wherever and playing their music. It was awesome. It wasn't, you know, until I mean, at the end, it was it was rough because uh, it was always there was never a point where it was easy, you know, because back then there was no money to be made, so even in like youth of today we'd be on tour and we'd be starving you know we'd be starving we'd we'd our van would break down we would play gigs in garage parking lots for parts for uh, to fix the van or we'd work in a uh junkyard call with a thing that said rent a bum to fucking make money to fix the van so we can keep on touring that was the kind of stuff that like made our crew of guys like just we were just so tight i mean we were all we had when we were out there but uh I guess when you felt like by the time it felt like I was going to either play a gig or die at the hands of somebody who, who thinks he knows what I'm about that's when it was getting it was getting hard to uh want to keep doing it you know sure. or enjoy anything because you were just like yeah constantly. i mean I, I loved i loved playing i love the i love the feeling of after the set when everything is i want when i've just blown everything out and it's all done there's no better feeling than that and it didn't matter if there was like 10 people there or 100 people or whatever as long as the band left it all out there it was a great feeling just slowly it chips away at you i guess yeah oh absolutely i see that um and so then when obviously you did step away and obviously you know have to decompress um was there uh, i presume that you were obviously going through a lot of sort of introspective uh, soul-searching moments of like do i want to still be involved with this thing do i want to try to start you know another band like you know that all kind of swirled in your head um you know, so I guess kind of, you know, there's no real question in that, but just kind of walk me through what you were obviously like mentally going through is you were obviously were stepping away from something that you love so dearly. Well, when I walked away from it, I was like, I never thought about another band. I never thought about playing music really again because, uh, you know, Judge was my 
judge was my thing. It was like, it was the one thing my whole life I came up with that um, I thought I did well, you know, and I just never could picture myself in anything other than that. I couldn't picture myself in another band other than Judge because it was born from my head, and you know, and I could see everybody else going on and hearing stories about, you know, their bands and stuff, and I was happy for them. I just, whenever I thought about Judge, I thought about how we started and the reaction we got and how I spent the second half of the whole deal trying to get people to realize what I was really trying to say and I was happy that some of them got it and it crushed me that a lot of people just didn't want what I would hear to what I was trying to say they just wanted that that violent they wanted that violent soundtrack so they could hurt somebody and that's the way I felt and I just wasn't going to be the soundtrack for some weaker person to be taken advantage of by a stronger person. And that's the way I was feeling. Sure. Sure. Um, and so then, uh, you know, when you, I guess when you return to quote unquote normal life where you were obviously, you know, get, <laughs> getting a job, joining the, uh, the working world, um, you know, did you, uh, I guess, did you pine to, to be on tour? Um, obviously, not in the same fashion of what you were touring with in the past. Um, but you know, did you, obviously there were, there were elements of it that I'm sure you missed, but then I'm sure there were obviously positive things that you felt like you were building on your, your own as well. I never uh, know because, um, my, you know, everything, it just seemed like at the end, I just rationalized it as here's, here's just another thing that I tried and at the end, it fell apart. And, you know, I, I was always led to believe that, you know, you can't go back. And so when I felt it was over, it was over. And I just never thought about it again. I didn't talk about it again. Nobody around where I was living even knew I, I was in a band. So Sure. Um, My wife didn't know I was in a band until... Uh, I guess you YouTube something and seen me, and then she was like, "Oh, really? What the hell is this?" You know? Yeah, I just I just never thought to tell anybody. You know, it's just like one of those things. <laughs> so, so let me let me get this straight. So you 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 were you are you were married, and you had been in a relationship for quite some time. And so, I, like, how many years into it before she just like randomly tripped across it and was like, "Oh, this is bizarre." <laughs> okay, this is this is the. Uh, this is a, this is the this is how it went. Okay, I love. We I, just, I just love this because it's like <laughs> it's so funny because like you said, you distance yourself so much from it that you would it like it didn't even summarize who you are as a human being because you know a lot of people that get involved in this subculture you know kind of hold on to their their previous bands and we're just like oh man like that was such a special time or whatever but then you you just sever ties with it and you're just like oh yeah anyways continue please tell me the story (laughs) well they were special times but they were mine you know so i just didn't think that anybody would want to know right right so so you know i I guess for it's been it was like a few years and uh out of the blue you know um 
I don't even remember what it was. It was it was a commercial for a car or something. And uh, so that Civ song is like in the commercial that can't wait one minute more. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So my wife is like constantly singing that song. And it's making me crazy. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so it's making me crazy. She's constantly singing that song. So at one point I just got a little fed up with it and I was like you know that dude used to be a fucking roadie for me and uh, she's like what she's like yeah he used to set up my drums back in youth of today you know which Siv was like drum tech and uh she's like what the hell are you talking about and then um she goes off on her own she starts like googling this and googling that and uh she comes up with uh, the judge video and she's like what the fuck <laughs> and I'm like yeah it's a while ago don't talk about it much <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing i just i, I love that <laughs> that's that's such a uh, uh not only charming but just funny story because yeah that's that's not something you typically hear about um and so like when, <laughs> when do you uh how long have you been together with your wife now oh, oh man i know this is this isn't a quiz so if you get Quite, it wrong, I'm a not, lot of years a lot of years a lot of years over uh, I think it's like nine, ten, eleven years. Okay, that's incredible. Um, it's a long time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the real deal, man. Um, and so, uh, you know, as you were, did, did you, after you obviously entered the working world, did you, uh, you know, were you doing the same sort of work that you were always doing, as far as like, you know, uh, construction? Yeah, basically. Kind of? Yeah, basically truck driving. Oh, okay. So that that's that's what you do right now, as as yeah. <laughs> as we stand. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, and are, are you like a, a long haul truck driver or do you do more short stints? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Pretty much over the road, yeah. Nice, nice. So yeah, yeah, you're, you're doing the same thing except you're just taking cargo as opposed to bandmates around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nobody to talk to except myself. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and it keeps you, uh, you know, seeing, seeing the woods that you like to be so close to. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so then, uh, you know, Obviously, like kind of what we talked about towards the, the beginning in regards to, um, you know, now that you live kind of in two distinct worlds where it's like, obviously you have, like, like you said, your, you know, your real life where, you know, you're, you're putting food to the table, you're doing a, you know, honest day's work. And then obviously you have this other side of yourself where, you know, you're flying out to play hardcore festivals in different places. And obviously more attention is paid to, you know, judge now than ever. Um, you know, is it... it obviously you're comfortable with it because you're doing it. Um, but does it still kind of sit in a weird place for you where it's like this, like, this is weird. Like I, you know, next weekend I'll be playing a show in, you know, Arizona or whatever. <laughs> and then the weekend after that, I'll be, you know, taking stuff to, um, you know, whatever Connecticut or something like that. You know, is it, is it weird for you to kind of go full circle from this perspective? I think I, I had those thoughts before, uh, we played the black and blue bowl. Like I was like, how do I go back and, and balance this thing? But, um, you know, those guys, the way they, you know, had me back in the city and I was starting to like, you know, having these memories of these streets that I used to, that I grew up on. Basically I started, it started feeling like home again and uh, something that, that I didn't realize I missed until I was back there. 
and then going to a few a uh, few gigs in New York before and and seeing you know just how there was a better feeling around and then seeing how you know well received uh, when they announced that judge was going to do it you know I just there was I it just I couldn't help but feel uh, like I was you know kind of going back home so to speak and it was great it just it, I just uh, it was almost like I was kicking myself for walking away in the first place at a, at a certain point sure it feel it feels so uh, feels so right yeah, to be back because there. it's there's something there's something really fucking healthy about letting that shit out you know that's right. why I try to I encourage everybody to fucking just grab a microphone and fucking yell it's good it's good for you right <laughs> and you um you, you have do you do you have uh, a son or a daughter am I correct in that or no uh stepkids you got stepkids okay so um obviously you are playing a father figure um you know how does that all kind of like circle back around to um you know your personal experience in uh obviously within the context of your own family but then also the fact that you had this you know other family supporting you from you know the punk and hardcore scene um you know how does that kind of influence you as a father um well just like uh i remember back at the time that like uh the youngest one who was i remember thinking like man when i was 14 i was doing this i could never i would never let him do this <laughs> you know so like i had those type of moments but uh i don't know it's just uh, i don't know how to explain it like uh he was on the stage with us and stuff and we were letting him work the stage and he was like blown away by like everything that was happening and you know it's just one of those deals it's hard to explain like if I could if I would have tried to sit down and explain it it wouldn't have been half of what it was when he when he was up there and got to see it happen you know right yeah it's like you you're you're sharing obviously a special experience of something that you know meant and still means some you know a lot to you uh, but then you know they obviously never look at you in that context you know you're just dad and then all of a sudden you get up there doing this thing it's like whoa what the hell is that yeah right (laughs) right (laughs) it was pretty awesome yeah of course like that whole that whole weekend was was uh was great that's awesome yeah it's really cool that you were able to um yeah, ultimately, obviously, get that that enjoyment because you know that I'm sure there was a lot of fear going into it of like if this goes you know not the way that it, it, it is planned and you know whatever obviously a fight breaks out or something you know there's a million different circumstances in which it, you know it might have tarnished it but it's great that you can uh, obviously look at it and deem it a success and obviously still want to continue to do it. Well, I think uh, I've always. Bl- just felt like judge deserved a better ending than me just walking off and then rumor starting so hopefully it ends with uh new music that will wrap this all up nicely 
Yeah. So you, you, you do. I was, I was, that was going to be my concluding question, which is obviously a very obvious question, but like you, you still feel the creative energy to, uh, want to put out, put yourself out there, uh, from, uh, yeah, music. well, definitely. I mean, I learned one of the things that this whole deal did teach me when I was younger is that, uh, if I don't let, if I don't write these things down that are rolling around in my head, they're going to drive me crazy. And that's how I cope with it. I just get it out of my head by writing into these stupid books all over the place. So I have, uh, I have this picture in my head of how I want this to go and just trying to, uh, hammer out the details with the rest of them and then we'll record. That's awesome. So you've been, uh, I, I don't want to like sound like I'm diminishing this, but you've been uh, journaling <laughs> for quite some time. Like, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So you've been able to keep kind of uh, you know that creative side of yourself flowing throughout all these years. Yeah, I mean it's the only way I can deal with it, or else you know it's just like it just gets too scrambled up in my mind. Right. So just write it down, and then it's gone. Interesting. And it, so you never like you obviously if you don't have a use for revisiting it you don't revisit it um but did you were you like was there no 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 no. okay (laughs) i never i never i have a trunk it never gets opened the books go in the trunk the trunk gets shut and the trunk never gets opened really so you you have a physical process behind this (laughs) oh yeah it's the only way to get the listen brother this is the way it goes I got demons. <laughs> they're right. with me all the time. They're, they're, they sit on my shoulder. They're in the backseat of my car, and they're always telling me what to do. And the only way to stop it is to write it down. Right. Lock it up and forget about it. Sure, sure. Has uh, there... Uh, yeah, because, I mean, obviously, some people would argue that, like, oh, like, that, you know, Mike, that sounds like depression. Like, have you medicated yourself? Is that something that, you know, you've obviously... Uh, uh, pursued from a medical uh, professional, you're like, yo, I've got this. No way. No way. <laughs> no way. I like. No that. way. No. No one's changing me. I don't. Psych drugs don't fucking work. They just. They just. You know what? Here's the thing, dude. I honestly believe this. Uh-huh. If. If. There, if there's some kid, right? He's got this wild imagination where he's staring off into space. Some teacher somewhere is going to give him some type of pill. So supposedly to help him concentrate, what happens if that kid grows up to be like Bob Dylan and you just robbed him of that imagination? You know, like who, like it's, it's, it's almost criminal what happens. Like you can't have a wild imagination. You can't, you can't be this wild free spirit because someone's ready to drug you and make you normal. Right. So I just, I just can't do it. Yeah, I, there are people who've recommended it and stuff, and I read about it, and I'm like, I'm like, this is the fucking brain and mind I came into this world with. I'm going to learn to live with it. <laughs> I'm going to learn to make it work for me, not against me, right, not right. against me. And I'm not going to take some fucking thing that somebody invented that is going to change it. <laughs> you know, this is me, and I'm going to learn to work, live with it, and this is the way I do it. Right. right. No, that's, inc- that's, that's incredible. I mean, like, yeah, you've, 
you've obviously found a, a solution or a method in which you're obviously able to, you know, cope with, like you said, everything that, that you deal with. And that's, to me, that that's the, the same notion as obviously people looking to medication. It's like, you know, they're just looking for a solution or a process, you know? And so like the fact that you're like, okay, I choose not to do this, but I'm choosing to, I, I am still choosing to help myself as opposed to, you know, letting it consume you. Cause that's, that's when you get into a position of just like, oh, it's sad. Someone could have been helped. It's like, well, yeah, like, fucking journal <laughs> you know like how about yeah. you do that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I guess i just i don't know it's a weird deal i know it just seems like doctors are like so ready to give you something yeah you know where you know, some things are meant to be worked with right no exactly well, Mike, I really, really appreciate you hanging out with me. This has been uh, extremely fun, and thank you for uh, sharing all that you did because it was uh, yeah, very enlightening for me. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Dude, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Mike Judge on the podcast. That was just awesome. And I can't tell you how like cool and warm it made my insides feel when he called me brother. <laughs> it's just like, oh, dude. Apparently, there's nothing else I can accomplish in my life more than the fact that Mike Judge called me brother. And I know that it's like just a, a nice thing he says to people. But, dude, I just felt like, you know, I've if he was like right next to me, I felt like that was kind of the the audio equivalent of like a, you know, a warm bear hug. So thank you so much, Mike. And thank you to my friend Josh, who helped coordinate this and everybody else for uh, making this all happen. So like I said, at the very onset of the show, go to Within These Walls. On October 29th at the world-famous Nile Theater in Phoenix, Arizona, there's really no reason for you to not be there because Judge is playing in Arizona. Like, when you when did you think you were going to hear those words? Probably never. So that is that beautiful thing. So the music, as always, for this show is Lowercase Noises. Please Google him, find him, check him out, listen to his songs. You can visit the show's website at 100wordspodcast.com or you can... Email the show. Yeah, how about that? 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. And I apologize. Some of you I have been neglecting to respond to, but uh, it's just be, it's just been a little hectic over here. So the guest, did you hear that burp? Whew, that was a little, uh, apologize. <laughs> Anyways, the guest next week, next week. Can I talk? Can I talk? Can you stop interrupting me? Anyways, the guest next week is Anthony Lucero from Cult Leader. He's the vocalist of the band. And um, I, I just... I, I recently saw them and I'll, I, I won't reveal too much, but I recently saw them and love the band already. But then watching them live was just even more of a profound experience. So I was like, yo, I need to have Anthony on this show immediately. And he agreed. And here we are. So that's next week. And please, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.